that's Bill and Fred. They're behind us. And Fred ate beans, and we're about to face the music. <laughs> All right, it's a stretch. Yeah, oh, uh, it's going to be that kind of episode. Mm-hmm. Welcome to another episode of Screen Fix, the show where we will fix a recent film. I am host JC. With me, as always, is the co-host that carries the show, Lady Wan. Lady Wan, say hi to everybody. Hello there. And with us, oh my God, he is here. Episode 101. He starts off, hopefully, another 100 episodes. He's here for... This epoch, this era of the show, he kicks it off. He is a pod favorite. He has been on enough times. He is a Screen Fix all-star. He might be the Screen Fix MVP. Very important peruser of movies. That that didn't really work out, <laughs> but it is David Rosen from the Piecing It Together podcast. David Rosen, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. I don't know how I'm going to live up to all of that. You always do somehow, <laughs> you curly-headed god. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody about Piecing Pod real quick right off the bat? Sure. Well, uh, we are a podcast that takes a look at a movie through the lens of what other movies might have inspired it, and every week I have a different guest on to help me take a look at all these new movies and what other movies we think maybe uh, had a hand in inspiring the creators, the filmmakers, the director, writer, whatever that may be. And of course, uh, JC and Lady One have been guests on my podcast a bunch of times, and I always love having them on whenever we can get them on for something. Whenever someone drops out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We are right on the list, third down. available people. Highly available. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so this week I have assembled the MVP and the one that carries the show (laughs) to talk about something very special, near and dear. Nostalgia is rampant. They were a piece of that late 80s, Southern California, Valley Boy, Surfer Boy thing. Dim-witted, lovable Keanu Reeves. (gasps) Alex Winter. What else could we be talking about except Bill and Ted face the music? Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel, and you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughter. Get real jobs. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to unite the world, and I'm tired, dude. Ted, we have a destiny to fulfill. Greetings, my excellent friends. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan, performed tonight, will save reality as we know it. Oh. Dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Take it from ourselves. Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! Is that stealing if we're stealing it from ourselves, dude? Dude, our dads are totally in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. We should help them out. Yeah. No way. How's, How's it going, going Bill and Ted? We're putting together a most extraordinary band. Hey, you want to be in our band? This is so fantastic. We're gonna go talk to Death. Is he playing hopscotch by himself? Dude, he's cheating. Hey, Death. Life, it isn't a wild stallion. Let's rock! 
<laughs> like how many guitar riffs are going to be in this episode? I hope a lot. <laughs> All right, Bill and Ted face the music is the third film in the Bill and Ted series. After, of course, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from 1987 and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey from 1991. Alex Winter is back as Bill S. Preston. Keanu Reeves is back as Ted Theodore Logan. I'm sorry, I missed the Esquire. Yeah. Bill S. Preston, Esquire. William Sadler is back as Death. No way! Yes way. And we have a whole host of new people. Kristen Schaal plays Kelly. Greetings, my excellent friends. The daughter of Rufus. Greetings, my excellent friend. Also George Carlin's daughter's name, Kelly. It is a tribute to George Carlin. That was very sweet. They're very sweet, these two writers. We also have a pair of daughters. <laughs> We've got Bridget Lundy Payne as Wilhelmina Billy Logan, Ted's daughter, with... Princess Elizabeth, and Samara <laughs> Weaving is Theodora Thea Preston, Bill's daughter with the other princess, Joanna. A girlfriend's our most chaste. <laughs> uh, Samara Weaving, of course, from Ready or Not. She's also in that crazy movie where Daniel Radcliffe has guns nailed to his hands. Uh, guns Akimbo. I watched that this morning, actually. You did? You, yeah. She's amazing in that movie. She just plays the most vicious badass killer in that movie. And of course, in Ready or Not, she's killing people. Samara Weaving, she likes to kill. She's also the niece of Hugo Weaving hmm. from The Matrix. Mr. Anderson. Who had Keanu Reeves. Whoa! How about that? <laughs> Excellent! And this movie also has Anthony Kerrigan as Dennis Caleb McCoy, the <laughs> robot sent by the great leader to kill them. He is in Barry. I love the show Barry on uh, HBO. He's fantastic in that show, as is Bill Hader. Of course, Bill Hader has won multiple Emmys for that show. And then there's a whole bunch of other people. I guess the only one really of note is probably Jillian Bell as Dr. Taylor Wood. She's the, uh, the therapist who is doing the marriage counseling with them in the movie. When your wife suggested couples therapy, do you think that this is what they had in mind? Definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? I know who played both of the princesses, so... Okay, well, why don't you take that one? Go ahead. Who plays the babes? Jaina Mays and Aaron Hayes. And, and what are they from? Why do we know them? Aaron Hayes is in a bunch of stuff. Like Lots what? of sitcoms. Children's Hospital was like my favorite thing that she was in. And Jaina Mays was in Glee. She played like the OCD guidance counselor who marries the choir teacher well great they have a subplot that goes nowhere and they're barely in the movie good for them correct all right here we go <laughs> <laughs> all right so anyway that's pretty much the the main stars but this movie of course coming uh what is it uh 1991 blah blah carry the three subtract seven this movie comes out uh what is is it 19, 19. years yeah 19, 19 yeah. years since bogus journey and another like 22 Wait. Can I math? Am I mathing math right? No. I'm mathing wrong. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. That Not makes sense. I was a D math student. Wait. <laughs> Is it 29? 23. 23 years. Wait, how can it be 23? 23 doesn't even come close to making sense. Wait, 1987. 
Okay, I thought you were talking about the second one. No, that's 91. Yeah, but they, we said that was 19 years, and that was 19 not. would be 2010, though, wouldn't it? 29 years. I did the math. Yeah, oh, my dirty. God. Okay, 20, 30 years. That explains how old they looked. Okay, that makes sense. They're in their 50s. They look old and stretchy. Yeah, so... um. <clears throat> Uh, so this movie, of course, also, uh, this was directed by Dean Pariso. I hope that's correct. I hope it's not Parasot, like Gal Gadot. So anyway, uh, Dean Parasot, his real name is Aldo Luis Parasot. He goes by Dean Parasot? What? You chose Dean? Aldo Luis is a, way cooler. Yeah, what, out of Definitely. all that, you're going to be like, my name is Aldo Luis. Call me Dean what, what? Okay. <laughs> anyway, so he, uh, the director of this movie, directed Galaxy Quest. So that's one that I think a lot of people uh, enjoy. But he also directed Home Fries and Red 2 and Fun with Dick and Jane. I think he's a little bit all over the place. Galaxy Quest, I think, is probably the one that stands out on his uh, a resume and probably makes him uh, a decent choice for Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, and it was written by the original writers, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. They wrote all three entries, and they were uh, uh, instrumental in getting this one started. About 10 years ago, they came to Keanu and Ed Winter. Ed Winter and Alex Winter. Who the fuck is Ed Winter? <laughs> <laughs> Ed Winter is an actor, by the way. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Just Wait a minute. Up. What won a, won a Tony Award? Ed oh. Winter. Wow, Ed Winter. Tony killing it. Award-winning Ed wow. They went to Keanu Reeves and Tony winner Ed Winter <laughs> said, screw Alex, he's not in movies anymore. So yeah, so they went to them about 10 years ago or so, eight, eight to 10 years and said, hey, we're working on this script. Are you into this story we're doing? And then of course there was some, you know, and it's taken, you know, this long to get, you know, buy-in from people to give them money to, uh, to do it. So... <laughs> So this one got a VOD release as well as a theatrical release. Did you see it on VOD or in the theater, or did you pirate it like a bastard, David Rosen? <laughs> uh, we watched it on VOD, absolutely. Uh, Haven't made it back to the theaters yet since oh, everything going man. on. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Lady One, uh, did you watch this on VOD or theater? Uh, VOD. Yes, same. Two times. Yes, because we watch it at the same time. Yes, okay. We did. Yes, we yeah. did a marathon. <laughs> I, I came over to the Lady Wands new palace. She's a new homeowner, everyone. Lady Wan is an adult <laughs> officially. Nice. Yeah. She has a house. She has a 401k. Uh-huh. She makes regular trips to the doctor yearly for the mammo. Mm. And she is a total. We're not that old yet. Oh, you don't have to do that. <laughs> okay. okay. Right, well, anyway, she's Allegedly. close to being an adult. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we watch it that way, but I want to know really Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted franchise, what is your experience with it? Do you love it? Are you nostalgic for it? I'll let you go first, Lady One. Oh. I love the first one. Yeah, but like that when did you see it? What what's your your, your history with it? How I'm does it make there. you feel in the area where they mammo? That's weird. I'll cut it. <laughs> I'll cut it. Don't worry. Um no, I I really really like the first one. It was a movie that I watched all the time in high school. In high school, um, ooh, yeah, <laughs> that was when when it entered my um, like sphere of knowledge. You guys are like, hey guys, let's watch this old ass movie. I hear it's good. Uh, it was- <laughs> 
Probably it was on VH1 movies that were out. Oh, my God. I saw a lot of good movies for the first time on VH1. Wow. Because I didn't see this movie when it came out. It does rock, by the way. Yeah. Yes, especially that first one. It's got that outstanding song. In time, we'll be dancing in the free streets at night. Anyway, I'll put the clip in. Y'all can hear it. <laughs> yeah, you will. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so great. it's got that great song by, insert name. <laughs> yeah, so. That's the only one that I have feelings for. Really? Okay. That's uh, it. When did you see Bogus Journey? When did that come into your high school sphere between <laughs> chess club and wedgies? No, let's let's try orchestra and newspaper club, okay? All right. Get it right. Okay. It's a different kind of nerd. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Now, I truly don't remember whenever I first saw Bogus Journey. It was one of those that I saw like bits and pieces of, mm-hmm. and I was like, wait, this is a different movie. <laughs> like... Just didn't didn't really take it in. Right. Didn't really absorb it. And then uh, we recently backwards marathoned all three of them. I mean, it is very different. I, <laughs> yeah. I think Bogus Journey is a rare sequel that chose to do something absolutely completely different with the material. Mm-hmm. It's like they they realized that what everybody loved was the characters Bill and Ted. And what they needed mm-hmm. was Bill and Ted mm-hmm. like solving some fantastical problem. With their lovable, dim-witted way. Those triumph. <laughs> it's a good sequel. It's it's a strange sequel. Right. It's very, like, 90s. It's, like, extreme close-ups and exaggerated angles. It looks like a living Bugs Bunny cartoon at times, to be honest. It does. <laughs> so, David Rosen from Piecing It Together podcast, mm-hmm. available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And anywhere that you find podcasts. Bill and Ted, what is your relationship to it? Nostalgia, does it make you warm in all the wrong places? This is most non heinous. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I saw it opening weekend. Absolutely loved it. Wow. It's one of the best things ever. Watched it so many times. And then Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came along. Yeah. Watched that opening weekend. Wow. Hated it and never watched right. another Bill and Ted related thing Whoa. the rest of my life. Not even the terrible TV show. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. <laughs> no, <laughs> not yeah. even that. Not even the cartoon. Uh, I, I, I had fond memories of the characters and of the first movie, but yeah. I never went back and rewatched them or anything like that until a few weeks before Face the Music came wow. out and rewatched them and found out that I actually like Bogus Journey more than the first one. I, it just totally changed for me as an adult. Yeah, I yeah, I appreciate Bogus Journey way more than I did when I saw it. I was with you. I like wasn't ready for how incredibly different it was. How much right. like oddly darker it was. Like you've got evil Bill and Ted, and but they're so funny. They are very funny. <laughs> the but it's like I love the first one. I still love the first one more just because I like that humorous gentle sweet story sure the first one's probably a better movie it's so fun yeah right it's just absolute fun so we will start to dive right into this let me just ask really quick did you like bill and ted face the music david rosen eh that's that's my answer eh it it was all right same z's yeah so i watched it three times 
for some reason. <laughs> because you are a dedicated podcaster. <laughs> and yeah, I liked it more each time I watched it because I think I caught more of the jokes and, I, you know, I had like relaxed. I had the first time I watched it, I'm like, you know, hit me in the, the nostalgia button deep in my childish loins. Lady Juan, did you like this movie? Yeah, I, I'm sign me up for eh as well. Um, okay. The first time I was like, oh man, that was not good. And then the second time I was like, that was okay. And you know, maybe if I watch it a third time, I will be like, all right. Like I think I think that just it wears you down a little. Yeah, it does. I guess start to wear you down. Yeah. You know, it could have been better, and that's what this show's all about, mm-hmm. isn't it, y'all? I'm curious to see uh, how much I did not like Bogus Journey and then returned to it all those years later and loved it. I wonder if this will grow on me. Like, it, it seems to have grown on you guys already, just off of that, for, you know, one extra screening. Yeah. I'm wondering maybe 30 years from now. I mean, I still don't think it's good. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but I was giving it more of a break, I guess, the third time. First of all, I think that Bill is absolutely crushing it. Like the guy who hasn't acted in a decade because he's making like serious documentary films is like the one who seems to be really throwing his all into it. And like, oh, yeah, Keanu is like John Wick trying to do Ted. (laughs) (laughs) No, Keanu's kind of doing this an yeah. excellent adventure i just noticed how smiley and good like he's like smiling and goofing the whole time and i'm like i don't know if keanu's face can make a smile anymore right he's it doesn't seem serious like serious for so long he's too he's too hardened now lady one huh i'm also on the meh train we got a meh we got a meh we got a meh <laughs> but why don't you give us the fresh hot stats Rotten Tomatoes was down until literally like five seconds before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like stuff I tell my boss when I don't have my stuff. Well, do, does your boss believe you? Yeah. Okay. Crap, people at work listen to this. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you should be concerned for more than just that. Like, that is the least of your concerns for the stuff you said on this show. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm disgusting. So, so Bill and Ted face the music is certified 81% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Excellent. Right? It's kind of crazy. Like in the low, low expectations of COVID where there's nothing really theatrical coming out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's an 81 compared to the other options in the theater right now. Sure. I don't. That seems crazy to me. It has the exact same critic score 81 percent and audience score 74 percent as the original like no. they are the exact same Mm-mm. and that like no one will tell you that those two are equal no like not at all no just for context bill and ted's bogus journey is 56 percent rotten with a 56 percent mm-hmm. audience score too yeah I feel like those are the scores that belong on Face the Music. I'm not as surprised about the audience score, but the critics score, that's what really surprised me because, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I, I just think that people really needed something to pretend to like, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. Bill and Ted is easy to like. Yeah. They're just sweet dimwits. Yep. Who have to save the universe. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's 208 critics that went into that score. This is this was not like a small sample size and like a couple yeah. people loved it. Oh like yeah, overwhelmingly critics Everyone's are like, yeah, great movie. 
Like, and, and everyone loves Keanu Reeves right now. Like, loves him. Screen Fix has, has a hashtag, <laughs> WWKD. What would Keanu yeah. do? Like, he's, he's universally beloved because he's, he's such a cool guy. He's just lovely. Yes, he's he does lovely. rule. <laughs> so everybody, so he's it's got yeah. the Keanu factor. It's got the nostalgia yeah. factor. I guess it worked on critics. It did it work? They worked them. They threw in Samara Weaving, who's probably like a, a critic darling because she's in these like indie horrors. Oh my god! They massage the critics most egregiously. They they well, it worked. Put Good it in front them. of them. They rub their backs. They rub their feet. You thought I was gonna snore dirty, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. What? Why would I think that after a hundred episodes? Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> so. I got. I got a little bit more. Oh, continue. For continue with these fresh hot stats. Are you gonna put the sound in again? <laughs> so, as you mentioned earlier, Bill and Ted Face the Music came out both in theaters mm-hmm. and on VOD at the same mm-hmm. time. So it was on about a thousand screens, mostly drive-ins, theatrically. It had a three million dollar run. I mean, you could still go see it right now, but oh. that's pretty good. So three million dollars in the theater plus probably way more than that on VOD because they bundled it with the other two if you wanted to do that as well. So I'm sure a lot of people were like, let's do a marathon. Who knows about VOD? That's the bummer of VOD is I don't get to know any of the dollars. Yeah, what the heck? It's brood. I really like to know. The only info I think they have on it at all is that it was the top rented film Mm -hmm. on Fandango, Apple, iTunes, and Google Play. Yeah, the weekend it came out, Labor Day weekend, it was... Top of the charts for VOD. But I don't know how that translates into the, the overall gross. Nope. It's no secret. one does. Secret sauce. Do you have any any other super cool stats? No. All right. Well, then we're going to get into it here. <laughs> we're going to fix this thing. But before we fix it, we are going to give you a quick and dirty plot summary brought to you by Movie Pooper. Movie Pooper, where they wipe away the excess. <laughs> So here we go. 25 years <laughs> after their last big performance, Bill and Ted worry that they will not be able to write the prophesized song that unites the world. An upgraded booth from the future appears carrying Kelly, daughter of Rufus. Kelly takes them to the future to meet her mother, the great leader, who reveals the exact time and place. By the way, good for Rufus for shagging the great leader. The exact time and place where the song that unites the world will be recorded as they have only 77 minutes. They decide to use the old phone booth to get the song from their future selves. Meanwhile, reality and the time-space continuum go into flux, replacing historical figures in different time periods, causing the great leader to send an assassin robot back in time to kill Bill and Ted, as that could reset everything and save reality. Appalled by her mother's decision, Kelly tells Thea and Billy to use her upgraded booth to travel back in time to round up the greatest musicians. They manage to get Jimi Hendrix, Louis Armstrong, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Ling Loon, and a cavewoman named Grom, who is suggested to be the first drummer and I don't know how in the hell any of them know this person exists. No way! They said that Ling Loon said that she was the best drummer. How is Ling Loon knowing about BC drummer from... Uh, never mind. All right. Bill and Ted continue to go forward in time, noticing their lives deteriorating <laughs> over the years as their wives leave them. They go to prison and ultimately end up in hospice care, where their older selves give them the jump drive containing the song Face the Music, recorded by Logan and Preston in a cheap, shameless retcon of the plot of the original. The robot accidentally kills Ted's father, Kelly, the children, and the band just as they add Kid Cuddy. (laughs) 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 Bill and Ted confront the robot, break the jump drive in half, and get him to kill himself. And then, requiring them to challenge death in the afterlife, with a little coaxing from their daughters, Bill and Ted manage to get death to join the band. 
Everyone arrives on a highway outside of San Dimas as reality begins to collapse on itself, dropping the Eiffel Tower on the Sahara Desert on opposite sides of the city. As Bill and Ted watch their daughters arrange the musicians to get the synth equipment ready, they realize that Logan and Preston from the jump drive is referring to their daughters. Bill and Ted reunite with Elizabeth and Joanna, manage to time travel into the quantum realm by dialing infinity into the booth. Throughout time, the four are able to infinitely provide musical instruments to individuals, including a saxophone. No one's going to know how to play that. I don't get, like, I, I laughed out loud when I saw the saxophone handed to someone. I'm like, I think there's a learning curve on saxophone. All right, anyway. <clears throat> They, they come back. Way more tambourines. They needed kazoos and tambourines. That's, that's what everybody needed. <laughs> everybody could do that. No learning curve. All right. <clears throat> they come back to a stage on the flatbed of a semi truck and are given guitars by their daughters. The band plays together with the entire world and the entirety of space time. Reality resets, and we are to believe they all lived happily ever after. And that is Bill and Ted face the music now. Before we rip this thing. Okay. I hate saying that. Before we provide gentle edits, let's say one, th- one thing that we liked about this movie. A lot of people make a movie. It is a big undertaking. And mm-hmm. this is like a little movie that could. Took forever to get it made. Let's give them their due. What is something that you liked about Bill and Ted Face the Music? David Rosen from Piecing It Together, the podcast where they will uh, talk about the pieces that inspired a film. And it is led by one David S. Rosen. That's probably, <laughs> it's probably not even his middle initial. But why don't you tell us what you liked about Bill and Ted Face the Music? I have to say that I did like just getting Bill and Ted back together. I I think just seeing those two on screen was a lot (laughs) of fun, despite the the problems we're going to have with it over the rest of this conversation. Just seeing (laughs) them get back together, it was absolutely, uh, it was a little bit of fun at least. Yeah. At any point, did you get emotional? I got emotional for the whole week leading up to it and through the whole runtime and for a little bit after too. So it it definitely got to me a little bit. Whoa. No wonder why you're desired by women and respected by men. You like, you have a good soul, David. All right. Lady Juan, what is one thing you liked about Bill and Ted Face the Music? Dennis Caleb McCoy. Hey. (laughs) I'm really sorry that I lasered you all. I just need to tell you my name. My name is Dennis Caleb McCoy. Nice. <laughs> awesome. I would, <laughs> what did you like about him? I just loved everything he did. I loved like how neurotic and uh, guilt-stricken he was. He was he was really learning a lot about himself. He went on a journey in that movie that nobody else went on, and I appreciated that for him. The performance of Anthony Kerrigan was great. Like it was very like nuanced. Uh, JC. Yeah. What did you like about this movie? That it's only an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I have used that before. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's got that '80s runtime, baby. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed the portrayal of Ted's daughter that Bridget Lundy Payne did. I've never seen Bridget Lundy Payne in anything. She was great. Apparently her biggest thing was being in a TV series called Atypical, but I thought that she was great. I thought she had the mannerisms down, and between her and Samara Weaving, I thought she did the better job. Definitely. I just felt that Samara Weaving's portrayal was too... Are are you going to go be negative? 
Yes. Uh, so you can uh, see, uh, I don't know how to do the positive part. No. Just leave me alone. You have to just It's hard stop. with this one. It's, Listen. It's, it's hard for him every time we get to the Listen, what you yeah. like. When I was comparing, you know, the two daughters, because you do it when you're watching the movie, you're like, uh-huh. she's doing a really good Ted. Is she doing a good Bill? No. Samara Weaving was doing, you could tell that she was like too self-aware. She just wasn't giving herself into that like Billness. I thought. Right. Like, and her, her face is too, first of all, she's. <laughs> beautiful actress but she has kind of a sarcastic face right like that's not it just didn't fit you need bill and ted are like these like they're innocent dimwit innocent people and that's not what i get from samara weaving at all (laughs) so i just thought that she was miscast and i thought bridget lundy Payne was perfectly cast so the the positive is her yes i feel like i've said bridget lundy Payne. Too many times now. A good amount of times. What do you say, guys? Now that that garbage is out of the way, what do you say <laughs> we actually fix this movie? What do you say, guys? Come on. Give I me can, the enthusiasm. I can hear the guitar riffs in my Come head. On. Like right I'm now. Ready. <laughs> I it's am happening. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Here we go. David Rosen from the Piecing It Together podcast. The top movie podcast there is. <laughs> All those other ones are garbage the ones with some second rate hollywood comedian talking about movies yeah. i like having you guys in my corner <laughs> yeah david rosen what's your first fix all right jc from screen fix uh, i <laughs> that's the I show am, we're on <laughs> <laughs> i am going to go with the big one first which <gasps> i think and, and i should say we talked about this on our piecing it together episode quite a bit about this but i think this is the oh you're giving us re- rehashes you're just reheating the meal <laughs> I think this is so important, though. You just microwaved it for us. It's just so important, guys. Okay. It has to be said. All right. (laughs) Yeah. It's perfectly fine that the daughters are the ones who actually wrote the song that saves the world. And I think that they're fun to watch. And I think that their little journey is pretty fun and everything like that. But make them play instruments. (laughs) Oh, my God. They don't play instruments. How could they write a song that saves the world if they don't play music? They don't. They basically tell death to play a riff. That sounds like a rockin' version of the theme from The Office, by the way. It's the office. They're playing the office. And then it like evolves into a, what did you say? Lady want fallout boy. Oh yeah. It sounds like uh, the one song, what a catch. Right. So it goes from the office to what a catch. And it's like one thing that was so ridiculous as well. The idea that all of these great musicians would get together and just be like, not know how to play together is ridiculous. Right. Like all they need is okay. a key and they're just, they're all on the same page. And that's David, it. you are a musician. You've been in bands, correct? Uh, sort of. <laughs> I, I mostly play myself. All right. Yeah. 
I was in a band also. Our theme song is a song from my band years ago. Okay. A little, little Screen Vix trivia. Ooh. People who know how to play instruments don't get together and just go, <laughs> like, that's not how it right. works. Like, they have talent and they know how to get together and play a song. Like, somebody starts with some riff and everybody joins in and really talented music- musicians can easily play together. It's not some kind of secret thing. So, like, the fact that these two girls from this garage are just like do that okay now you it's a musical trilogy i mean the second one has less to do with music but the basis of it is wild stallions a band and Mm -hmm. it was very ridiculous that that was the song that (laughs) united everyone yeah no absolutely that all of what you're just saying there and i mean then the fact that once the girls do start like kind of getting in on the actual music playing they're playing two like sampler yeah they're just looping stuff first of all i don't know how you would include two of those in one song like it wouldn't (laughs) even make sense but the music that they're playing is essentially some form of rock and roll and there's no nowhere for that kind of sound to appear and i mean let it just be said that the music i make is very electronica based music and you know i i love Uh music that includes samples and stuff like that but that music does not have those sounds or that kind of a thing that they're so they're basically Mm -hmm. just standing there pretending to do something when they should be playing an instrument as part of the band that would be great if they started a band with their daughters and that's how they made the song like made sure they learned how to play instruments before they got to high school yeah exactly (laughs) you hit on a big one for me as well have you been on stage performing before uh, I have not playing instruments though. Uh, more, more. I shouldn't even say this right now, but rapping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can you can you spit some fire right now? I, that's why I said I shouldn't say this right now. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. rapalicious! Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> not gonna happen, but uh, it's it's out there on the internet. If you were a front man, would you wear leather? Would you stuff? Uh, I have worn leather. <laughs> for the rapping. (laughs) (laughs) You're an OG. That's right. Oh, his rap name, Thorny Rosen. (laughs) It's actually Jewish Dave, but... Jewish Dave! Oh my God! Everyone Google it, please. Lady Juan, what is your first fix for Bill and Ted Face the Music? So I just want to start off right away and say that none of my fixes are going to be as cool as your guys' fixes because... I can just immediately tell. <laughs> like, oh, you guys no. have really smart ideas. Don't sell yourself short. You carry the show. Oh, thank you. That's, That's right. not true at all. Yes, it is. <laughs> I always say it. Everyone knows. So my first fix is, it, like, I kind of started to form this fix when we watched it. And then I locked in on it when we made our way backwards through <laughs> the trilogy and got back to Excellent Adventure. Because... Mm-hmm. In particular, I did not like the look of Face the Music at all. At any point, it just feels weird. If I don't know, it, fe- it feels like it was overcast and then they tried to like brighten it in post like throughout all of the outdoor scenes. Like something <laughs> just looks off. Just in general, I didn't like the look of anything. But in particular, I hated how the future looked. First of all, it looks like yeah. they're walking around in a screensaver. It looked like a, totally. just a green screen, yes. cheesy background. It, Terrible. It was as cheap and, as could be. And there's no people 
in the future. <laughs> like where they go when Kelly takes them and they're walking down and we see the old phone booth and a hologram of Rufus. Like you would understand that to be like a highly populated area. That's why there is a hologram of Rufus explaining what the significance of the phone booth. There's no people. There are no people in the future at all. It was so cheap and so weird. And it really, really bothered me when I first watched it. And then, like I said, when we went back, and we watched Excellent Adventure. I was like, well, that's what the future looks like. Literally the scene in Excellent Adventure when they go to the future and in time play and the council is there and it's like this great moment like that's the set build it again they built it in right. 1987. Yeah, you could build it you now. Just, what are you doing? Why wouldn't you just do the same thing? Yeah. It just drove me nuts that it was so clearly there for them to just look at that scene, replicate it. And then like if if Kelly picks them up in San Dimas and takes them there and they're back in that place again, how cool is that moment? And instead yeah, this movie yeah. is like, nah, they're walking around in a screensaver. Yeah, it's it is it is empty. Maybe it's like a public holiday. <laughs> it's like a bank holiday. <laughs> oh, in, in the future, do we all get all the British bank holidays? Because I would look forward to that future. I was thinking about this yeah. too, actually, about that whole empty future like scenario. And like, yeah. It, yeah. It, obviously, this movie was shot, you know, months and months and months ago, a year ago, even or whatever. But this is yeah. what I would expect the Bill and Ted sequel to look like if it was shot right now during COVID with yes. limited resources and like they can't have extras and stuff like that. Like this is yeah. what you'd get. I actually, I had the same thought during the wedding scene at the beginning is I was like, oh, that's a small wedding. That looks like a <laughs> COVID no wedding. Uh, uh, <laughs> ours was supposed to be this weekend, guys. <gasps> no. What mm-hmm. the? Push to next year though. My God, David Rosen from piecing it together. Yeah. I wish that you had been able to piece together a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> for this weekend it's oh my god i'm wow. so sorry that feels terrible you probably had guest invites uh, out we didn't get one but that's fine like we i'm sorry there's guy, time for know, us to make it onto the okay. guests for next year then that's, that's true that is true i just opened a can of worms <laughs> I'm a great wedding guest. I'm I bet. Great. Oh, I will give a speech. I don't give a shit whose wedding it is. <laughs> oh, no. JC. Yes. What's your first fix for Bill and Ted Face the Music? My first fix has to do with the daughters. Oh. Just like David's, they are ridiculous. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. So let me see. Let me, uh, where do I have? Okay, here we go. Find your notes. So I think that the daughters just feel like they're doing a bad impression of their fathers. And uh, what's wrong with that is that their fathers are like dimwitted. They're not smart. (laughs) But these two girls, they're trying to have it both ways. They're supposed to be kind of dim, but they're also incredibly smart about music. The thing that makes Bill and Ted so great is like in the first one, they're sent into history and they know nothing about history. That's what makes them the fish out of water characters that makes them so lovable. Mm -hmm. They're trying to have them be super intelligent about the subject that they're going back in time for, which makes it far less compelling. Mm -hmm. So this is what I would do. So I would have it to where 
the daughters have never believed their dads or their moms about this time travel and future stuff because it's insane yes. like any normal person would be like my parents are nuts like this is not it's not real yeah so. they would just be like my parents clearly did a bunch of drugs in the 80s and like can't figure <laughs> out what was real coke was big yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. And you know, if and if they're freely telling their therapist about this, they're they've told their daughters. Like they it doesn't seem like they hide this at all. Right. That they're supposed to make the song that saves the world and they've traveled through time. So I want the daughters to be distant and non believing, not doing just like some kind of impression of Bill and Ted, but not really em- embodying what made Bill and Ted so endearing. Mm-hmm. So uh, set them up as actually smart. Mm -hmm. You know, Bill and Ted, they goof their way through everything. The daughters do not believe them, but the daughters end up on their adventure as well. Maybe even the daughters are estranged from them because they're so strange and they do not have jobs. And so they're actually (laughs) living with their cop grandpa, Mm -hmm. you know, but they end up on this adventure. And, you know, Bill and Ted have this infectious positivity make that infectious positivity eventually what breaks down the daughter's walls and to complete this mission they rely on the intelligence of the daughters and the idiotic fearlessness (laughs) of bill and ted to figure out the problem because bill and ted are not afraid of anything Mm -hmm. because they're too dumb like they're not that's just that's part of their character so I just think that the daughters should have been handled in a completely different way in the way that I just described I like it. Yeah. I like no, it. It's, it's, it's the more good. conflict there. Like, yeah, they're they're way too on board with their dad. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do have to say though that I liked that they both kept calling them dads. <laughs> like, yes. Like these was, are our dads, that was very <laughs> even though like they yes. are not related. Dads. Yes, that is great. But a lot of kids don't end up like their uh, parents. You know. Are you like your dad? No. He's <laughs> like a cool surfer guy. And I was like, I don't want to go surfing. The s- sand is itchy. <laughs> like I just wasn't, you know, I was like, water's in my nose. And he's like, you're no son of mine. <laughs> you know, I was like, can I have some dessert? And he's like, ice cream's for surfers. <laughs> David Rosen from You Know What. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is your second fix? So, my second fix has to do with Bill and Ted's journey and going into the future and continually running into their selves in the future, mm-hmm. which each time it's kind of a little bit different version of themselves. First, they're these kind of losers in a bar band, and then it's these yep. these criminals that are big and muscular and everything, and then they're old men. But Oh, they're also uh, people that are in Dave Grohl's house. <laughs> oh, yes, and, and the ones in Dave Grohl's house <laughs> as well. British. Yeah, um, also dicks. Which, by the way, I would say is the best of the bunch for this particular reason of this fix. And that is to make them all much more vastly different from one another. Because it felt like they were almost on the same timeline, which doesn't make sense. Like, how would they, a few years later, become these big giant monsters in jail, you know, and then a few (laughs) years later become old people. So it doesn't make sense that it's the same timeline. Yeah, it doesn't. But when they were in the jail, they said if they kill them, they kill us. So it's like, it's the same timeline? It's it's so weird. Right. It, it, It feels too much like a continuation of that same future timeline it Mm -hmm. seems like each time they jumped it should have been a completely new set of bill and ted's that Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with the previous ones uh which would have 
lent, I think, a little bit more of a bogus journey style vibe to it, actually, because mm-hmm. it, it would have just allowed them to go crazier with it and go a little bit more out there with the uh, situations they get into. What is one of the crazier ideas that you have? <laughs> oh, boy. I You know, I don't know, but... I will say I feel like the Dave Grohl cameo as a thing itself is kind of a, a launching pad for something this movie also could have done with uh-huh. those other Bill and Ted's. And that is more cameos. There's a lot of situations where you could have gotten these Bill and Ted characters who are in famous things, whether they mm-hmm. end up in, uh, you know, I don't know, TV shows or, or various bands or something. <laughs> like some time traveling Forrest Gumps. Sure, sure. Something <laughs> like that. And like throw them into these like vastly strange situations. And I, I think that that's where you would end up getting something like really fun out of the going forward in time thing. I like that. Yeah. Make them completely different because also when they are bouncing through, it also seemed like everything that was happening in the next time they got to was because of the last thing. Exactly. So this is all just like one linear thing. So yeah, that should be all different realities that they're bouncing in and out of that it'd be way crazier and way better. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be like they'd have to introduce a multiverse kind of idea into this thing, which I think makes sense for the Bill and Ted universe. They're dancing around it anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Just go all the way. Just do it. Yeah, I mean, I I would posit a world where Bill and Ted are Chippendales dancers. Oh, for sure. That is a uh, version, (laughs) I think. That works. Are Chippendales still a thing? Do women still swoon over Chippendales? Pretty sure they have a show here in Vegas. They do. They do still have a show. Um, but I don't believe that they're competing with the Thunder from Down Under. Mm, that's definitely on that billboard all the time. What is that? What do you mean, what is that? You don't know the Thunder I, from Down Under? No, I don't know what oh, that is. what do you think it is based on that? It's like a kangaroo flatulence show. But, you know, what happens there? <laughs> Lady one. What's your second fix that doesn't involve male strippers? Australian hunks. <laughs> yeah. I could I could change it. I don't know. All right. So my second fix is to do with the great leader. So I was Ooh. frustrated by Holland Taylor's character in this movie. It's like she was the villain, but not really. So at, at one point, she just is like, oh, you know what might work instead of them just writing this song? Maybe we have to kill them. Most unfortunate. Like that was just an idea she threw out there. There's no plan B if killing them doesn't work. You know, like you've really like painted yourself into a corner by considering killing them like everything up until now has been they need to do this thing they need to play this song at this moment she tells them where and when exactly and then just gets impatient waiting for them to do it and is like yeah you know while we're waiting in the next seven hours maybe we should just off them like the motivation is completely wrong and then at the end she's just sort of like making up with kelly over it like yeah you know i made the wrong call like i'm sorry so i have two little changes in here so first of all i don't want the great leader to be kelly's mom just let kelly be rufus's daughter that's her familial relation to this movie we Mm -hmm. already have bill and ted's daughters we don't need the great leader to be anybody's mom related to this we don't need another parent child thing going on there's enough separate that out have her just be the great leader and have her just genuinely trying to kill them from the jump like didn't bring them there and then give them the time and and tell them 
this will probably work and then just change your mind. Like from the jump, I want her to be out to get them. Kelly doesn't know. Kelly thinks she's trying to help. And Great Leader is just out to stop them from ever playing this song. She doesn't want it to happen. And she's working to make sure that humanity is not united at all for a moment because she just wants to, you know, be like a bad guy and subjugate humanity for her own purposes. Just a regular bad guy. Mm-hmm. So she sends the robot to kill them out of her own Just she's evil. Like, selfish Instead greed. Instead of like, right. oh, gosh, I can't wait for them to write this song. Maybe killing them is actually the answer. Like, that's how she proposes it in the movie is maybe this was the thing we should have done instead. It's like, bullshit motivation. <laughs> it's, seriously. it's so Yeah, you probably need to be more sure yeah. than that. That you are potentially <laughs> absolutely murdering the, the only, only hope salvation. To save the universe. And you're like, like well, maybe you, you wouldn't death. just give them a no. shot? Like, no. <laughs> not at all. It's it's so silly. There's only 77 minutes left. You're not going to give them any shot. She got right at down it. to the end and was like, "Oh, never mind. Let's just kill them." Like it was. She's kind of was, an asshole. <laughs> it was so lazy for her motivation. It was weird. And then at the end, she's just sort of like, "Oh, I was wrong. I'm sorry." And I guess they're cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yeah. mom. Ha ha ha. I remember that time you tried to kill me when I was in the womb. But it's. <laughs> <laughs> JC, mm-hmm. do you have another fic? Yes, I do. Okay, <clears throat> I will tell you. Now, I dug deep for this one, real deep, into the depths. Uh-huh. Here we go. Find it in your notes. <laughs> George Carlin's Rufus says in the original Bill and Ted, quote, You see, eventually your music will help put an end to war and poverty. It will align the planets and bring them into universal harmony, allowing meaningful contact with all forms of life, from extraterrestrial beings to common household pets, and (laughs) it's excellent for dancing. (laughs) Now, put a pin in that. The best thing about Bogus Journey is that, like I said previously in the episode, is that they they did something completely different with the story from the first one. Because it's not about what they are doing. It's about whatever Bill and Ted are doing with their dim-witted approach to whatever fantastical situation is in front of them. Mm-hmm. So why don't we do something different and have them travel to different dimensions? Mm-hmm. The princesses, and hear me out, the princesses go to essentially different dimensions, alternate realities. Yeah. But that's what Bill and Ted should be doing to find the ultimate universe-aligning song like Rufus talked about. So let's have them first grab Hendrix. That's our great musician from this dimension. Mm -hmm. And then go into alternate dimensions where they have to find the ultimate musician in that reality. Instead, what they try to do, they do a rehash of the first one, a little bit of a rehash of the second one. Mm -hmm. Then they add three other side plots. The Hendrix and Mozart Wolfie scene was the only good scene of the very few of the historic figures. The reuniting with death was kind of dull. The princess's side plot feels cut out, honestly. We don't even see them as old ladies. I wanted to see that. So by not choosing one main plot, it makes every one of the subplots weaker. Mm -hmm. So let's simplify this thing with one story to follow. All the best musicians from each dimension, all kinds of interesting creatures and really out there set pieces, some even hostile, and they have to assemble the musicians to play the ultimate song. But it's not really about the song. It's this one sequence of notes. And I'm going to bring the daughter back into it because they are now I'm going to bring I'm going to take my first fix and combine it Uh-oh. with this one. They are super smart. They're the opposite Bill and Ted. They know of an ultimate number that permeates nature. They're the intelligent Bill mm. and Ted. So they come up with pl- a way to play the golden ratio. What? 
which is the basis of the Fibonacci sequence, which is also pi, 1.618034, whatever. But they correlate <laughs> it. <laughs> they correlate it to a series of notes, and they need an amplifier that reaches into space and across dimensions. And since pi is also the angle of the Great Pyramid of Giza, they figure out that the Great Pyramid of Giza is a gigantic amp. And those notes played in the pyramid blast into space, blast into dimensions, and it is what realigns the planets, as Rufus claimed in Bill and Ted 1, and is what has aligned the planets in the past in early human history. Shit, that actually makes sense. I think it works. I think it works really, really well. You know what else I like about this particular fix? is that it opens the door for kind of a, uh, a semi-extra fix that I had in mind, which Ooh. is, of course, and I think you guys probably had this one in mind too, but that's where the hell is Station. Station. Station! So <laughs> he could be one of those musicians that is aligned. Yes, Station is one of those musicians yeah. in another dimension, another reality. And they have to combine them. It would be so awesome if they ran into Station in one of these like alternate dimensions. And yeah. yeah, so they have to get the greatest musician from each dimension. The daughters figure out a way to play Pi. And it is what aligns the whole universe using the Great Pyramid. I love it's it. It's out there. It's, it's outrageous. It's crazy. But it's crazy based in science. The best kind yeah. of crazy. It's, right. It's crazy space nights and you cut out the other plots that are just yeah. like bogging down the movie. Like because instead of trying to make it their own thing, they're just kind of doing like a greatest hits of the first mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to do what the second one did and is do something completely different. What do you guys think? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I think it works. This is this is your smartest fix you've ever had. I, I think uh, I think you're starting off the next hundred episodes with a good one here. Oh my goodness! Thank this you. Is very exciting. <laughs> Hollywood, come calling. Come calling. <laughs> come calling, but I'm not going to be a weird perv like all these Hollywood types. I don't know. I feel like the previous hundred episodes would beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think without further ado, we should consider Bill and Ted face the music. Do with me, D-Man. Here we go. Screen face. The guitar riffs. All right, here we go. It's going to be in the whole thing. Thank you for giving me that edit note. What Do you have a final thought on Bill and Ted face the music? David Rosen from Piecing It Together I podcast. Think <laughs> the best podcast in the past, present, or future. I think the thing that I am most happy about with this movie is that it made me rediscover those first two and just how great they are. And it didn't do anything to diminish mm -hmm. the the original story of those two. And mm -hmm. I am I'm just so happy to have those first two movies back in my life now because Aww. they're going to be regular watches from now on. Yeah. They're great, aren't they? They're so damn good. In the first one, the mall scene <laughs> with all of the different historical figures. So good. Each getting their own like subplot in in this mall scene where they all get arrested is a scene that makes me happy all the time. <laughs> it's true. And, and the, the, the whole the whole time thing with, with uh, Ted's dad's keys is like one of the yeah. most brilliant things ever put on film, I think. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Lady Juan, do you have a final thought on Bill and Ted 
face the music? Mm, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you want to go back in a time machine? And- Hold on. Let me like go to another dimension real quick and see if I have a final thought there. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'll do one. So I was looking at the, the screen tests for this. Like they have all kinds of screen test footage for this movie. And in one of the screen tests, you can see Polly Shore. Huh? I said, huh? <laughs> Look at those bibs. I think I'm in love, princesses. <laughs> I wish they'd run into Polly Shore in this movie. Like More cameos would have really uh, went a long yes. way. I think. Yeah. All right. So why don't you send us home? Lady one. So you can reach us here at the show by sending an email to screenfixpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at screenfixpod. And we're on Facebook as well. Just search for screenfixpodcast. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and of course, Apple Podcasts, just about anywhere podcasts are found. We also have a Patreon. If you want to give us uh, some money. Please. But we're in a pandemic and money is scarce. And I just bought a house like a really smart person. (laughs) (laughs) We're not getting any money. We're not getting any money. So I'm not not even going to give you the URL. But you know what? Donate to David Rosen's pod. Yeah. Yeah, Give him money. And maybe he can afford the plate of our wedding food. (laughs) (laughs) At his wedding. All right. So here we go. Let's leave everybody with your best Keanu Reeves woe. Why don't you go first guest David Rosen from Piecing It Together? Whoa. <laughs> that's so that's pretty good. <laughs> okay, Lady Wan, I need you to be a man for a second. <laughs> I feel like you said that to me before. A young surfer man. Ready? Give me your best late 80s, early 90s Keanu Reeves. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, very good. It still sounded like a girl. I'm still a right. girl. <laughs> I'm a girl. Yeah. All right, my turn. <clears throat> Whoa. You sounded like yeah. an old man. It did. Oh. That was the nursing <laughs> I'm home. I'm Keanu Reeves Ted. in this movie when he's in the nursing yeah. home. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, anyway, we would like to thank again David Rosen yes. of Piecing It Together Podcast. Why don't you do it again? Give us another plug. David Rosen, really sell it this time with feeling. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, how about this, actually? How about I flip the script for a second, and instead of promoting my podcast, Piecing It Together, which I just did again, uh, why don't I promote the fact that I have a new album coming out? (gasps) Yeah! Whoa! We've been talking about all this music. We're going to tag it on the post. Yeah. Whoa. How about that? Tell us. New album. Oh, my God. Tell us where we can find it, what it's called, everything about it, what kind of music is it. I want to know everything. (laughs) David Rosen, I'm going to download it today. Well, you have to wait until October 4th when it comes out, but I do appreciate your enthusiasm uh it is called david rosen it's actually just self-titled and it is my sixth album of instrumental music and hopefully it will uh save the world or something that would be pretty cool wouldn't it oh my god do you play pie i do actually wait do you hear it just wait do you hear it whoa yeah i just eat pie (laughs) all right so (laughs) awesome Love it. Album. Where is that album going to be available? iTunes, Amazon, all those places, and my website, bydavidrosen.com. He is so legitimate. Oh, my God. All right. So tune in next time when we will be fixing. I don't know. Because everything's being pushed now. Black Widow, gone. Wonder Woman, gone. Bond, gone. Like what? (laughs) Anyway, thanks again, David Rosen. Thanks again, Lady One. Bye, everybody.
Kearns from Spoiler Peace Theater. Congratulations on 100 episodes, Screen Fix. It's such a great, entertaining podcast. JC and the Lady Juan are funny, insightful, warm, and welcoming. And yes, they did pay me to say that. 